Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Awesome. So I'm very excited and thankful that our next guest has agreed to join us today. Uh, I want to welcome Nick Matthews, VP and General Manager at Culture Amp. Nick, hi, welcome. Hi, well, yeah, thank you. It's great to be on here. It is. Not physically together in the same room because we're not allowed to do that. Um, obviously, these are very trying and testing times. We're doing this uh, virtually, um, so I hope the audio quality is uh, is okay. But I've got two questions for you. Um, so the first one is: tell us a bit about Culture Amp, and then tell us what you what you do there. Tell us what your role is. Yeah, marvelous. And so Culture Amp, we're an Australian company, and we're the leading people and culture platform. Um, and the real focus, if you break down people and culture, people can relate to you know, performance reviews, goal tracking, 360s, and the culture platform really focused on some of that more traditional engagement, you know, well-being, um, diversity and inclusion, and very recently focusing on crisis response, COVID-19 type support um, around allowing organisations to uh, really understand how they are responding and how their employees are experiencing that that response. And the main focus and our position has always been to be able to collect, understand and act on employee data and employee feedback. And we have around sort of 3000 customers around the world and we're split between huge presence in North America, which is 50% of our business. As I said, we're an Australian company, so we have a huge sort of part of the business down there. And then I look after the um, EMEA team. Uh, So my role is everything from go to market strategy, growth strategy, uh, and then a huge focus on, and especially right now, the people. So uh, when we opened up the London office, Didier, our CEO, said to me, I just want you to focus on one thing. Success in the next couple of years isn't around revenue, isn't around um, meeting certain sort of marketing or pipeline goals. Success is you're going to be a very, very long way away from head office. You're going to be out of time zone. We know that the, the the European presence is going to grow. We just want that to be like Culture Amp. We don't want you to create a subculture uh, or uh, an offshoot. We want it to look and feel like Culture Amp. That's your goal, which was a fantastic kind of brief. And so it's something that to this day um, I really hold to heart in terms of what my role is. Um, mm. Especially the last couple of weeks, with all of the um, you know, tension and chaos and sort of constant news that we're hearing and, and, and living in, it's become even more important to, to focus on that. So, as you say, you know, we have we have fifty plus people in in our London office. So I have you know responsibility for, for those and then, and our customer base as well within within the region as well. Yeah, nice. And obviously, you know, one of the reasons why I really wanted to. to to talk to you was obviously kind of twofold a for us to you know discuss openly the the cultural challenges that this pandemic are, are causing both from the eye of a business who focuses their whole product around trying to measure and understand culture and how to mold and how to shape 
but also, I guess, you know, on your, on your team internally, we are all experiencing shifts and changes in our cultures um, by the kind of primary fact that we're, uh, for a lot of us, not in the same room anymore, not in the same building. And we're kind of seeing all the, the tension and difficulty that arise from, you know, change in communication styles and change in rituals and lack of context. So, you know, those are the two things that I think I want to look at today. And, and that's why we, um, that's what we tried to title this episode as how do you create a remote culture? So that's what I want to try and unpack. So let's look first at how you think the kind of culture amp culture is responding to this to this pandemic sitting where you're sitting and and clearly you've been given the brief of people are the most important thing to the business let's look after them let, let's um let's support them as much as we can you know what are the things that you're seeing sitting where you are so i would say the two main focus areas have been absolutely how do we in- sort of respond internally uh, and then as we as a business stabilize and um, you know, exist in this new norm, that's now increasingly now focusing on how we respond externally to support our customers uh, and, and, and community as they go through this sort of challenging time as well. So if I, if I start internally, I, I talk about this pretty much every, every week, if not every day with, with the team in London, which is we're a values-based organization we are trying to promote this concept of organizations being culture first. So culture, culture first before everything else. Uh, and the way that we are trying to promote that out to the world is to do it ourselves. So we, we, we're not saying one thing and doing another. We are trying to almost experiment on ourselves by growing an organization. We're now you know, well over 400 employees globally trying to be culture first and values driven to allow us to then help other organizations to do that themselves. And so I say this, as I said, almost every, every day now, the, the last culture has been going for around eight to 10 years, depending on where you want to start the clock with the founders. Um, mm. it, it's almost been a dress rehearsal for this moment because I always say this to new starters that join values are so important but often they really only come into their own in the hard times or the hard decisions. So we talk about hard decisions that have to be made. I always ask people through the lens of the values. And I think no more than the last, the last couple of weeks, it's been almost every decision we've had to make or look through, we've, we've tried to look through the, through, through the values. And you know, our values are, are interesting because they're not some of the traditional values that you would see on the walls of sort of big corporates and things like that. They are trying to be instructional and helpful. So our, the, the main, one of the main values is have the courage to be vulnerable. <clears throat> so you know, vulnerability, um, I think, is at the beginning of, of most, most things, especially right now, let alone professionally, but personally, people are being impacted um, all over the place. So having the... The, the cultural value that allows people to feel that they can share through that through that lens of vulnerability is is so important. Um, secondly, is is our other value is learning faster through feedback. So, you know, really saying we don't have the answers. We're grow- we're an organisation that's growing very very fast, growing globally. We're going to make some mistakes. Um, we're going to take make some wrong turns. But the, the thing that we want to stick to is to 
um, learn faster through, through through feedback such that we can course correct and and and, and keep keep moving the best best we can. Um, the, the third the third value, which is a really interesting one that people often fixate on, is trust people to make decisions. Mm. And I always like to say to people, your instant reaction to that is great. I can make a decision, and I'm just going to carry on with that. And I always spin it around to people and say. Trusting people to make decisions, the, the, the immediate question that comes after that is, whose decision is it to make? And often, just by asking that question, will make people stop and think and often say, actually, it's not my decision to make. And it often, the flip side of it is also saying that if it's someone else's decisions to make, you have to abide by that decision. You have to you know, disagree and commit. You have to uh, appreciate that it's their decision to make and not yours, even if you feel that you may be more qualified or better placed, if it's not your actual decision to make within the organization. So that's, so, so, and then the last one, which actually was not one of our original values. We started off with three, and we actually added a fourth value a couple of years ago, um, is amplify others. So how do we amplify other people in the community, in our customer base, but also internally? Um, to to show uh, some of the great things that are happening right now. Um, so that's those are kind of the values. And so, you know, when this all hit, we absolutely um, really sat down and looked at all the decisions that we had to make through that lens of um, the, the, the values. And you know, practically, what does that mean? Uh, it means a couple of things. You know, everyone, we we moved to a recommended work from home policy probably three and a half weeks ago. We were relatively early in moving to to work from home uh, because we could. So mm. we felt very lucky that we were able to do that. Um, the uh, but then the vulnerability kicks in. What what I found, and this was a really humbling moment for me, was when we said, right, everyone, work from home. We recommend you to work from home. There was a transition period where some folks needed to still come in and, and finish some things off and, and, and pick up some materials to take home. But what we realized was that people immediately then had a different experience in work, almost entirely based on their socioeconomic status. Mm. So you take a team and normally you're in an office um, and you will have the same computers. You will have the same you know, setup. We will use the same apps. Uh, and you see people in the context of the office, or you might see them dialing from home every so often or if they're traveling. But on the whole, everyone has a similar sort of experience, tends to be focused around the office. You push that out. Suddenly what you find is that you are suddenly very aware that within your organization, there will be very, very different personal living situations. And again, looking through the sort of the lens of socioeconomic status. So folks that might be a bit further progressed in their career, um, maybe have done sort of 15, 20 years uh, in other jobs, you'll find uh, who live outside of London perhaps might have a house, might have a, special, mm. might have a, have a, have a, have a study, might have a, a quiet space where they can work. They might have, you know, a garden shed they can go and work in, um, whatever it may be. Um, and they're very happy working from home. They don't have the commute. They don't have to get on a packed train. They're not paying for you know, train fares and car parking fees and all these things that actually normally are a fairly significant part of their sort of outgoings. So they're great, super happy. And then you have folks that maybe have just started their career operating and living in, in shared accommodation, um, you, you know, four or five people in a shared house or apartment, one kitchen table, 
um, you know, no furniture in their bedroom other than a bed and, you know, it's a place for their clothes. And suddenly you realise that people are experiencing this work from home, especially over a long period. And as we settle into this new, new world, very, very differently. Yeah. So that was the big thing. Around, and, and having that vulnerability to talk about that, you know, as a, as a leader, I, have a, I live in a house. Um, I have some space. I have a setup that allows me to work comfortably. And, you, you know, using that lens of vulnerability to try and understand, empathize with folks that are not the, the, that maybe are not in such a privileged position and then trying to do something about it. Uh, so, so that was a, a big thing. And, and, you know, the second thing then came down to, um, you know, people, parents, parents and caregivers. We have a, you know, we have situations where uh, people have engineered their working life, maybe two working parents, they have a support network in, in fat, close family or, or, or nursery or schools that provide the infrastructure to allow them both to work. And we actually found this was quite prevalent in our management layer. Mm. And then suddenly they are doing two jobs. They are homeschooling or sharing homeschooling with their, with their, with their partner and then having to try and be a manager, be a leader, um, uh, be, be an employer, be an employee, um, be someone that's on, uh, you know, first line response for some of our largest customers. Uh, and that puts, again, a huge stress uh, on, on folks, both um, situational, but also from, we have some very, very strong performers. We have some very, very, uh, energetic, enthusiastic, career-driven people, and they find that tension of uh, wanting to be great parents and also be great at their job is colliding right now. Yeah. And it's incredibly... Yeah. So so using the, the, the value of vulnerability to be able to talk about that, uh, and it's it's been one of the ways that we've, we've been able to, um, to do that. And even up to Didier, our CEO, this week put something out that sort of said... You know, we have, again, two experiences where there are some folks that have loads more free time. They they want to help. They are desperate to do extra work and pitch in where they can. And at the same time, we have individuals that are saying, if I could do four hours of deep work a day, that, that, that's a win. That, yeah. That's a full day's work. So so that's that's been two of the main challenges that we have, um, you know, had impact us through the last kind of couple of weeks. I guess I pick up on the kind of two two key things there. So, you know, in, in looking at what the kind of cultural effect is, you guys have clearly lent on your values. And, th- and those were not things where suddenly you're working from home and you're saying, okay, this is how we're now going to operate. These are inbuilt behaviours and ideas and concepts, which everyone understands, which have given you a framework around how to think about the situation that we find ourselves in. And then the second thing is just accepting that the culture, the culture being the actions, the behaviours, the way decisions are made, um, how people behave in the organisation, how they act, the culture is going to be different. It, it, it is going to be different and it's, and it's going to be affected. And it's not necessarily um, going to be affected by things that the company does, but it's going to be affected by the context of the individual i.e. you're a parent, you're working from home, or you're in a flat share, or you're, you know, you're living in the countryside and you've got a bit more space. People are going to get a different experience 
which is which is so different to how we normally think about culture because how we normally think about culture is we have a place and we're able to control that to certain to a certain extent create uh, ways of working create um, ways that we communicate things that we all do together rhythms and routines that help us adapt and shape that culture and kind of suddenly all of that's out the window and and we're having to think we're having to think okay actually there are different experiences of our culture happening right now and yeah that's quite i guess sad but also hard to get your head around and and potentially hard to do something about yes and i i think the challenge as well is i wonder how many organizations when you put them under extreme stress they will they will fall on they will fall to their sort of the major minor and there'll be a, a large number of organizations that uh, will like any organization right now be looking at financials will be looking at um, how they survive adapt during during the economic impact of kind of covid and there is a risk that organizations can overfocus on that and underfocus on 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 the people side which is natural because you know businesses are there for the most part to drive shareholder value or to create you know returns to investors or whatever the whatever the construct is and so getting that balance right between um the uh, what the what the focus is and how your employees experience that focus is a real is a real kind of balance because don't get me wrong we're a values driven business with a very very strong culture but we're still a business we still have responsibilities, and so walking that fine line between between both of those right now is where we are probably learning the most, uh, and that's where that learning fast through feedback because there are absolutely times where you can overly focus on business continuity and you know real estate and and uh, forecasts and sales numbers and and customer retention and marketing spend, uh, and the same time you know under under focus on on the people side and vice versa, depending on it's a constantly moving, moving line right now. So it is, it's, um, and I think to your point, culture is something that you do create and you create in a space. I think those organizations that have been trying for a long time to put some real focus and effort around this will find that it will kick in like muscle memory during this process it may not be a hundred percent it might not be uh, a total transition from from an office environment to to work from home and i think i agree with you it will evolve how it will evolve i think it's too early to tell to do any sort of specific uh, analysis yet because i think there's a lot of adrenaline in the system there's a lot of adrenaline in in humans there's a lot of adrenaline in the system in in the the, the, the news the media the cycles that we're operating in but it will shift, I think, over the next couple of months. We'll really find out what's what's going on. But it's, it, I think, that's the, 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 the those organisations that have had a focus on this. It will, like muscle memory, like practice, uh, it will it will kind of kick in unconsciously. I think that for the, those organisations, um, I would probably it's gonna be very difficult to specifically kind of change a culture or even create a culture right now. And yeah. I think that's that's what's fascinating. This is the big lesson to me is people have asked us for years, how do you quantify culture first? How do you how do you quantify values? How do you put some ROI, some hard numbers that we can take to our executive board? 
can guarantee in the next couple of weeks as we as we enter into kind of week four, five or six, we will see specific examples, I believe, of organisations that do have a very strong focus on culture and values um, survive, potentially even thrive in, in this environment. And that those, when, when the adrenaline wears off, I think there'll be some um, executive teams and boards saying, hey, I actually wish that we had focused on this a bit more and we do understand the value now. So I do think it's, uh, it's um, you know, the situation and, and the circumstances are horrible and there's a huge personal and sort of humanitarian impact. But I think if there's one glimmer of hope coming out of this is that that conversation at an executive level and a board level around why is this stuff important, we will have a case study of, uh, you know, the, the world economy of those organisations that have thrived and for those organisations that found this incredibly difficult because they didn't have that muscle memory. They were relying on extrinsic motivations, whether that be pay yeah. or uh, <coughs> you know, performance management processes or very strict um, sort of rules and regulations. Again, too early to tell, but I think there'll be a lot of research uh, and stories that come out of this in, in, in sort of the coming months and years. Yeah, I, I, think, you're, I think you're spot on. We are seeing culture being cultures being tested cultures and values being tested then more than we've ever seen them being tested before right and what is what's really interesting is everyone is being tested in the same way and and it's it's so rare that all organizations are put through the same put in the same situation put through the same pressures uh stress um, and, and, and pain and right now that's what we're seeing we're seeing everyone being exposed to this to this pandemic to this to the context that we're that we're living under and we, we are we are definitely seeing it and I guess you know we're seeing it within our customers for sure there are some that are super well prepared for this and some and some that aren't and yeah I, al- although it feels disingenuous and it feels maybe wrong slightly to talk about the good that might come out of this because there's obviously a lot of um, very sad, um, very unfortunate, really not nice things happening in the world right now. I I think it will make people think in the long term about how they prioritise the values that they they create for the organisation and the type of culture that they're building. Because you're totally right, if you are using... A shiny office, great food, pay, um, bonuses, titles, all of these extrinsic motivators, those are starting to kind of fall by the wayside. People aren't getting their salary raises. People aren't getting paid their bonuses. You can't go to the cafeteria at lunch and have your duck a l'orange, as I once ate at Google. Um, you know, that, that that's not there. You're having to rely on the things that are really driving the business from an intrinsic perspective. Um, so this isn't the time. If you've not prioritised culture up until this point or your values, now's not the time to try. I think it's it's whole scale. We, there's enough change in the system as it is to try and enact a, 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 um, a that. I think that as an, I hope two things will happen out of this. One is that organizations when the immediate effects of this sort of dissipate do sit down and start to really focus on why this is important i do feel that hr frankly have 
been acting like superheroes in the corporate sense. You know, you see that there's a lot of focus in the in the sort of the general public on the health service and key workers that are that are helping keep the economy together and sort of society running. I think if you look at that from a business context, the stakeholders and the key workers that are making sort of keeping the lights on within organisations is HR right now, and mm. n- never more than ever have they become the superheroes of the situation uh, and. I think that a lot of executive teams and uh, boards will realise how important HR is and will increasingly become in this new world where before, as you say, things were controlled via those extreme motivations or, or, or boundaries that delineated by an office and sort of desks and, and things like that and business units and hierarchies. Now, some of those things are are, are, are evolving and some of the real science and organizational design and values and behaviors are going to become the the, the skills and hot topics for uh, leadership teams as they, as they go forward and you say it's, it's 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 sad that it's taken something like this for that to happen but we've been seeing this shift over the last three or four years anyway there's been broader shifts in society that have meant that hr has gone from being a uh, was becoming more of a strategic partner, you know, as important as a COO or CFO, especially for organisations that are um, sort of in a knowledge worker-based situation. Where there's maybe not a strong manufacturing production capability. So, it, I, it, I, you know, hats off. I've been so impressed. I see a lot of tired, weary faces amongst the HR community because they have put in a real shift in the last three or four weeks uh, and are the heroes of the, of the business of the sort of the, you know, the business sort of community right now um, dealing dealing with as you say it, this has impacted everybody in a very personal way and uh, if I think about our own people team internally at culture ramp you know outside of working from home everyone now has a uh, something that they need to resolve, whether that be yeah. caregiving, whether that could be work from home, whether that could be, you know, we've had people had to, um, you know, the big big topic at the moment at the moment is holiday. Yeah. No one's taking any holiday. Why would you? But equally, um, we want to make sure that people are taking some time off, even if that's just closing the laptop, so that mm. they can. Um, you know, not be thinking about work because when this adrenaline works off, the biggest secondary impact we're going to have is burnout. Yeah. And so again, you know, HR at the front line of that, trying to get ahead of the next wave of impacts that are going to hit everybody. Um, so and I know that, you know, we're very lucky in that, you know, we're still growing, we're still actually hiring people, but there are HR teams that are involved in some very hard and horrible sort of decisions to make around who to keep on, who to follow, kind of, um, you know redundancies, businesses that are are deciding to kind of close up. Um, it's a it's a really really challenging time for HR right now, and uh, it's I, I do I, I it's, it's where we as a company are now that we're stable. Externally, we're trying to help. We're just trying to help as much as we can because we can feel it um, in the yeah. in, in the community. Yeah, for sure. And so, what do you say to the people who? you know, they've done that work on their values, their behaviours, their culture, but maybe they've not been prioritising because, you know, you know as well as I do, we can do the work in terms of 
here are our values, here's how we see our culture, but you have to be living it every day. You have to be banging the drum every day. You have to be making sure that it threads through everything that you do. There are really two pieces. There's a kind of the ideation and the kind of let's get something down on paper. And that's the easy bit. The hard bit is is living it, making it real, uh, uh, making sure that it runs through the business from a decision-making perspective. To the people that maybe haven't prioritized that second part, are there things that they can be doing now to, uh, to, to be ensuring that they are reminding the team that, yeah, okay, maybe we've not done the best job of talking about our values, um, of prioritizing our culture, but there is some stuff there and, 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 and let's talk about it and, let, and let's put it, put it out there. From a leadership point of view, communications is now everything. So even if you haven't spent time historically, you haven't focused on it or it hasn't been a, a top priority, it may have been a priority, but not a top priority, even starting to bring it into the language that you use and into those regular communications that no doubt every leader is doing right now is a great start because it will start to signal and start to bring home that this is something that is part of that shift we were talking about earlier that is going to come. The second thing is there are some immediate things that we, we believe organisations can start to do that show that they are really thinking about the impact on people in this new this new world. So we've seen a lot of HR professionals and we've been trying to support them with this whole concept of resilience. So starting mm. to talk about what resilience is, um, and, you know, not, not traditional business continuity in, the, in a traditional sense of keeping the lights on and keeping the production lines going. This is about how do you create resilience in the, in the system and in the people that you have. And, and that, that, that can range from, uh, as you say, work from home practices. It could be values. Um, it could be helping people to training people on how to run a virtual meeting. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about um, what does performance management look like? There was this great example uh, with Facebook where Facebook have come out and said to their employees, they run a twice yearly performance management process. Uh, I think and there's one I think coming up in September and they, they, they got to it early and said, we know that you're all going to be working super, super hard uh, to support our community and, and your families and everything else. We're going to you know, guarantee that you'll get a certain, you know, exceeds expectations, everyone. So stop worrying about it. Stop worrying how the business metrics or your goals are going to shift and change and that we want to take that burden away. And we want you to focus on on doing right by by the community. And I thought that was very, 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 very good because it is. People are now thinking, well, I was coming up for promotion in later in this year, or if I'm in sales, what's happening to my, you know, my sales numbers are dropping because the economy's grinding to a halt. There's a lot of underlying tension. So talking about these these kind of things is going to be super important. And I would say this, we're a survey company, but starting to listen, listen to employees. We're seeing a large number of um, our, our customers running crisis communication surveys. We have a specific COVID-19 pulse survey. We're running it ourselves every week to, to listen. Uh, we had a customer yesterday say to me, you know, in all my career of running employee engagement surveys, you find that people don't mind quickly filling one out, but they very rarely write 
answers to open-ended questions or free text mm. questions. It takes a particular kind of person to, to normally fill them out. And they gave an example yesterday where they said, we launched our Pulse survey this morning. We've had 600 responses and we've had 450 free text responses. Wow. So 75% of people, if you average it out, have, have wanted to communicate back to the organization. So those things are not big, bold, we're going to change our values or we're going to create our values or we're going to really focus on culture. But there are, if you start to listen to your employees, if you start to do things that will help them in their new context with regards to training um, or, or alleviating fears or questions or concerns they might have around performance management, they are going to be sort of almost nudges. They're going to be signals to the organization that you are focusing uh, on this. And if you can put those into the regular leadership communications that are coming out around the health of the business, you know, what, what, what their business models might be changing or pivoting or how they're working with the government for support or everything else. Those are going to be a great way to start to signal uh, to your employees that this is becoming increasingly important. And that's a great start. That's, yeah. that's why I'd recommend to, to focus. I wouldn't start. This is not a great time to do a, a lift and shift on your culture. This is about moving incrementally towards um, uh, a future destination. So there you go. Um, when we're thinking about what can we do to build culture, culture rem- remotely, you know, as as Nick said, this is not a time to do a lift and shift. This is not a time to uh, introduce brand new ideas, but it definitely is a time, as you've said, to think about your communication and make sure and making sure that's super regular and you're using the language of your culture and your values within that. You're talking about resilience as a theme, uh, helping your team to understand how they can be more resilient and and you're listening and um, you know, using pulse surveys on Culture Amp, or you know, you can do the same on Charlie. Are, are really good examples of making sure that there's a direct line of communication between you and your team. Nice, Nick. Thanks so much. Yeah, and look, you know, you asked the question around sort of uh, people are often talking about sort of work from home and remote work, and we have. Um, an amazing people science team, and we actually have a new head of equitable design and inclusion. And I was talking to them about this, and, and they did a great presentation internally last week. And they said their first slide said there are three things going on right now that we we can't squash together as being work from home or work remote. There's an experience of living through COVID nineteen. There's an experience of isolation and quarantine. And then there's an experience of doing your job from home. And I think organizations could do well to to sort of break those three things apart and understand which experiences and which uh, interventions they're going to make based around those three three areas, uh, because there is some nuance amongst those and there is some different experiences. And again, understanding which which are adrenaline fueled and which are going to be longer term shifts so I do think that we're going to end up in sort of immediate immediate actions. There are going to be some longer term policy changes and, and strategies. And then there's going to be, I think, a broader shift of what the new world of work looks like. But I think, you know, my advice to HR teams at the moment is to sort of try and unpack those three things as different experiences and have um, different solutions or, or communications relate to those, those three. 
um, because it's so it it's it's it will be easy just to bunch them all together right now, and they're used interchangeably in the press and in in, in the in in you know online. I found that a very helpful way of myself thinking about okay, there are three different things going on here, and and as it relates to my team, how how am I thinking about that and structuring the next you know next day, the next week, the next month, the next quarter, the next year. So I just thought I. You know, yeah. finish with that because I, I, f- I found that a really helpful thing to go back to uh, when I sort of wake up each morning and say, <laughs> what am I doing? What's, what's the focus? And just give me those three things again. So it's really trying to unpack and say, what is an experience that an employee is going through due specifically to COVID-19? Yeah. What is a specific experience for an employee that is now dealing with isolation or quarantine? And what is an experience for an employee that is now working from home and working remotely. Great. Amazing. That's super, super clear. And uh, with those wise words, uh, we're going to wrap up uh, today's show. I want to say a big thank you to Nick uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Nick. Oh, my pleasure, Ben. It's great to be on here and, and fantastic questions. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to kind of be involved and to, to, to share some of our experiences. We're just trying to help at the moment. Yeah, for sure. And maybe we'll uh, we'll do another one in th- three, three months' time and we can see how this is all levelling it, levelling itself out. I've got to thank um, Mel behind the glass, behind the virtual glass, our expert for, producer, for keeping us on the road. To all of you listening along at home, uh, I normally say wherever you are, but I'm 90% sure you're at home or you're out on your one uh, trip to the supermarket or your daily sanctioned exercise uh, remember if there's an issue you'd like us to discuss please drop us a line i'm at gately on twitter and we're at join charlie look forward to seeing you again next week i've been ben branson gately your host and this has been the culture ops podcast mm-hmm.